Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Caribbean Tech Beach Partners with Visa Network. Government of Jamaica to divest Jamaica Mortgage Bank and shares in Jamaica Public Service Company. Bahamas removed from European Union's anti-money laundering blacklist. Puerto Rico steps up renewable push. Barbados passport still highest ranked in region. And UN releases $150 million for underfunded humanitarian crises. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, January 14. We start our report today with a look at the financial technology in the Caribbean. Barbados Today reports that Caribbean startup accelerator TBR Lab is partnering with Visa to empower the proliferation of high-growth technology business ventures by driving the development and implementation of digital payment solutions in the English-speaking Caribbean. Through this partnership, startups and fintechs will benefit from easier access to financial systems as well as the scalability, reliability, inoperability, and security insights that Visa experiences as a global payment network brings to the region's financial technology ecosystem. TBR Labs is an evolution of TechBank, a multimedia platform that bridges people and organizations' position to evolve through technology with the roadmap, resources, and skills to help them excel. Our shared vision for accelerating digital transformation makes Visa a natural partner for TBR Lab, said founder of Tech Beach, Kirk Anthony Hamilton. Visa and TBR Lab will also work together to support and promote Visa Everywhere initiatives, a global startup engagement program that tasks startups to solve payment challenges of tomorrow, further enhance their own product propositioning, and provide visionary solutions for Visa and their vast network of partners. The Open Innovation Program helps startups unlock new opportunities and provide startups with a global platform to demonstrate groundbreaking solutions. The program first launched in the U.S. back in 2015 and has since expanded to every corner of the world, recruiting startups from over 100 countries. Over the past five years, more than 7,000 startups have participated and they've collectively raised more than 2.5 billion in funding. In related news, Barbados Today reports that Barbadian authorities are being urged to incorporate greater use of financial technology to help bridge the digital gap. This is among recommendations found in the Inter-American Development Caribbean Quarterly Economic Bulletin Report that was released on Tuesday. The report, Digital Infrastructures and Development in the Caribbean, noted that Barbados needed an estimated investment of about $10.6 million U.S. dollars to close the digital infrastructure gap. The economy of Barbados requires an estimated investment of 10.6 million U.S. dollars to close the digital infrastructure gap, equivalent to 0.24 percent of GDP. The gap for mobile broadband amounts to 10.3 million, while the gap for fixed broadband is less significant at 286,163 US dollars. Closing the digital infrastructure gap would bring estimated benefits of 12.1% of GDP and productivity gains of 9.9%, the report said. However, the document, which focused on increasing productivity, 
as a key driver of long-term growth and opportunity for the Caribbean to get to the level of similar economies across the world, said infrastructure in Barbados could be improved by way of more public-private partnerships. Singling out the area of financial technologies, it said greater use of financial technologies is crucial to bridging the digital gap. Firms and banks in Barbados report that strict know-your-client and regulatory burdens, including those related to anti-money laundering and combating the financial terrorism, hindering domestic financial transactions and credit provisions, it said. The report pointed out that while Barbados's ranking has improved over the years when it comes to internet use and information and communication technology adoption, there was still a lot of room for improvement. The percentage of internet users per the adult population in Barbados is 81.8% and ranks it 35th out of 141 countries on the 2019 Global Competitiveness Report Index. RT.com reports that the recent slide of the largest crypto Bitcoin has not only affected retail and institutional investors, but one tiny nation as well, El Salvador, which has embraced a digital asset as a way to boost its impoverished economy. The Central American country was the world's first to adopt Bitcoin as ledger tender. The country has about at least 1,391 Bitcoins using public funds, according to a Bloomberg report, which estimated the holdings based on a tweet of El Salvador's president, Niyab Bukile. The media calculated that the purchase would have cost El Salvador about $71 million based on average acquisitions price of $51,056 per coin. Assuming the government has held the digital coins, they're now worth around $61 million, a 14% loss. Bitcoin's prices have fallen about 40% since reaching an all-time high in November. Last week, the crypto briefly plummeted below 40000 to its lowest since September, with declines spilling over into the whole cryptocurrency market. On Thursday, Bitcoin was trading at $43,765 per token. El Salvador's Congress approved the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender in June 2021. Later in September, President Bukile announced that his government had purchased its first 400 Bitcoin. The nation plans to use multiple renewable energy sources to power its crypto mining sites. Jamaica Information Service reports that the government of Jamaica is to divest ownership of the Jamaica Mortgage Bank and its 19% stake in the Jamaica Public Service Company to locals during the 2022-2023 fiscal year. Jamaica's Minister of Finance and the Public Service, Dr. The Honorable Nigel Clark, said the administration had made advances to this end, and I'm definitely expecting that in the next fiscal year. Year. We will be able to launch initial public offerings for those too. He was speaking during the Mayberry Investments Limited Virtual Monthly Investor Forum on Wednesday, January 12. Dr. Clark advised that two additional public bodies are in the pipeline for privatization, adding that the government will continue to roll out these and others as we redefine the Jamaican state. 
what we want to do is enlarge the private sector. Every time we do a divestment, what happens is that the government sector gets smaller and the private sector gets bigger, he indicated. The minister emphasized that this will be extremely important in light of the ratio of government sector as a percentage of the economy. Jamaicans have today been afforded the opportunity to own stakes in two state entities, Wigton Wind Farms Limited and Trans Jamaica Highway Limited. Dr. Clark indicated that the government is looking to do likewise with Jamalco Alumina Refinery in Clarendon. Jamaica Information Service also reports that Jamaica's Prime Minister, the most honorable Andrew Holness, has welcomed the 60 million U.S. dollar investment by Kingston Wars Limited in logistic and port infrastructural development as a signal of confidence in the economy. He said that the stable economic and political climate, coupled with sound management of the country's debt, is influencing significant investments across various sectors. Part of the Kingston Wars Limited latest investment includes 30 million U.S. dollars for the redevelopment of BERT 7 with the reconstruction of some 183 meters of space at Port Bustamante to further boost capacity to serve additional vessels. The plan also entails 25 million U.S. dollars for the construction of works at the Ashenheim Road Warehouse Complex to expand logistics services. It will provide facilities for freight handling and joint venture investment opportunities. The Prime Minister said that the development project will further enhance the competitiveness of the Kingston Wars Limited and by extension Jamaica as a regional maritime center, creating opportunities for new, attractive, high-skilled jobs and positioning Jamaica as a maritime and logistics center for the Americas. The St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that the Bahamas has been delisted from the European Union's anti-money laundering blacklist of countries. The Bahamas Attorney General Ryan Pinder noted on Thursday that with the European Union Commission having concluded that this nation has addressed the strategic deficiencies in its anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing regime, the Bahamas has been delisted. The European Commission adopted a new regulation to update the European Union's AML blacklist, including delisting the Bahamas last Friday, January 7. Pinder noted that the European Union had advised several countries of possible blacklisting in May 2020, including the Bahamas. The Bahamas engaged in diplomatic and technical meetings and consultations on an ongoing basis to address the blacklisting by the EU, he said. Pinder also said that it has now been shared with the European Parliament and Council for formal consultation. After such consultation, the regulation will be published in the official journal of the European Union and entering into force 20 days after its publication. The Bahamas has been delisted from the EU AML blacklist of countries. Pinder also noted the Bahamas can now boast of having largely compliant ratings in 38 of 40 Financial Action Task Force recommendations one of the highest compliance levels in the region.
Bon Americas reports that as part of efforts to increase renewables of its grid power, Puerto Rico is preparing to open the second round of a series of tenders meant to secure wind and solar supply as well as battery storage as it nears the first round's closure. The second bid round on tranche involves the tendering of 500 megawatts of generation capacity and 250 megawatts of battery storage capacity. And the government opened the new procurement platform where potential bidders can register their interests. The tender is part of a long-term strategy to encourage broader private participation in the island's power grid until recently fully controlled by the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority. A public utility whose installation suffered serious damage in 2017 from Hurricane Maria. The agency's long-term plan established in a 2019 law involves ensuring 40% of the energy supply is renewable by 2025 and 60% by 2040. Other goals include increasing system efficiency and encouraging the installation of distributed generation by households. The Hill reports that Puerto Rico will require the COVID-19 booster shot for public school students above the age of 12 and those in the tourism and entertainment industries as the island faces a spike of COVID-19 cases. Only 40% of Puerto Ricans have received the booster, though more than 70% of the people in the U.S. territory are fully vaccinated. The governor also announced other COVID-19 restrictions, all public and private venues will only be allowed to be at 75% capacity and most businesses will be required to close between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. for another two weeks, according to the AP. Cases spiked in Puerto Rico at the beginning of January after a super spreader concert caused 2,000 people in the territory to get the COVID-19. Antigua Newsroom reports that the Barbados passport has inched up one spot on the rankings of the world's passports, remaining the highest ranked in the Caribbean. With a visa-free score of 161, the number of destinations that holders of a Barbados passport can enter without a visa. The latest Henley Passport Index report puts Barbados at 23rd globally out of 199 passports and 227 destinations. Last year, the Barbados passport was ranked 24 with the same score. The index is the original ranking of all the world's passport according to the number of destinations their holders can access without a prior visa. St. Kitts and Nevis are ranked at 25th with a score of 157. The Bahamas is 26th with a score of 155. St. Vincent and the Grenadines at 29th with a score of 151. Antigua and Barbuda and Trinidad and Tobago are both at 30 with a score of 150. St. Lucia is 31st with a visa-free score of 146. At the bottom of the list in the Caribbean are Haiti, ranked at 95th, 
and a visa-free score of 48. Cuba ranked at 79th with a visa-free score of 64. Suriname ranked at 67 with a score of 77. Jamaica at 61st with a score of 85. And Guyana ranked at 59 with a score of 87. The report is based on exclusive data provided by the International Air Transportation Association. About 150 million from the United Nations Central Emergency Response Fund, the largest allocation ever, was released on Thursday to boost underfunded humanitarian operations across 13 countries. For the Humanitarian Affairs and Emergency Relief Coordinator, Martin Griffiths, this funding represents a lifeline for the millions of people caught up in the underfunded crises. The announcement follows the recent launch of the Global Humanitarian Overview, which predicts that this year 274 million people will need humanitarian assistance, the highest number in decades. The United Nations and its partners aim to assist 183 million of the most vulnerable people at a cost of at least $41 billion. The fund will help address the most urgent needs of vulnerable communities. The relief operations getting the most funds are Syria with 25 million. The Democratic Republic of Congo will receive 23 million. Sudan, 20 million and Myanmar, 12 million. Aid operations in Burkina Faso, Chad and Niger will each get 10 million. The remainder of the funds will go to Haiti and Lebanon with 8 million each, Madagascar 7 million, Kenya and Angola 6 million each, and finally Honduras with 5 million dollars. According to Mr. Griffiths, SURF funding allows donors' contributions to go further, swiftly reaching those who need our help most. For the United Nations, the fund is one of the fastest and smartest ways to help people affected by crises. Since the creation of the UN General Assembly in 2005, the fund has assisted hundreds of millions of people with some $7.5 billion across more than 110 countries and territories, including more than $2.4 billion to underfunded crises. The St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that Sheila's Kerferles McCormick, the 39-year-old Haitian-American healthcare executive, is a new representative in the U.S. Congress. Kerferles McCormick defeated Republican Jason Mariner on Tuesday's special election, will replace the late Democratic Florida U.S. Representatives Alcee Hastings. Hastings was the longest-serving member of the Florida delegation before he died in April of pancreatic cancer. The district is heavily Democratic by a margin of 5 to 1. The win makes her the first Democrat of Haitian descent to serve in the U.S. Congress. For more than 10 years, she was the CEO of Trinity Healthcare Services, which provides in-home care. She is married and a mother of two. And finally, St. Lucia Times reports that St. Lucia anticipates welcoming the inaugural Atlantic Rally for Cruisers, the World Cruising Club's ARC January fleet, with over 200 representatives from 30 countries. 
Art January set sail from the Canary Islands on Sunday, January 9, 2022, allowing crews to enjoy Christmas and New Year in Europe before setting off on their Atlantic adventure. Commenting on ARC January, Chairman of St. Lucia's Tourism Authority, Thaddeus M. Anton said, We express sincere gratitude to the World's Cruising Club. Andrew Bishop and his team have made St. Lucia their home for 32 years and each year adds new participants, thereby expanding the ARC family that we in St. Lucia are delighted to receive. Most of the boats will take about 18 to 21 days to make the 2,700 nautical mile Atlantic crossing to the IGY Rodney Bay Marina in St. Lucia and in association with the St. Lucia's Tourism Authority and events of St. Lucia on island events in keeping with the country's protocol or plan. The World Cruising Club was born with the very first ARC in 1986, the first ever ocean crossing rally. The World Cruising Club has now helped more than 450 boats and 1,200 people to achieve their sailing dreams every year. World Cruising Club, in partnership with Brand St. Lucia and corporate sponsors, have planned an exciting arrival program and special ARC reunion for the boats that cross to the end of 2021, promising a wonderful atmosphere at the IGY Rodney Bay Marina in St. Lucia. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, January 14th. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news right here Monday through Friday. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.